0: Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg
1: So in the previous chapter we learned that that it's, it's not enough For the Benini, the person who's who's, uh, perfect, who's acting perfectly, who's doing everything perfectly. But if there is no struggle, and there is no conflict, and he doesn't have to change, and he doesn't have to overcome any difficulty, and he doesn't have to overcome and change his nature, then he's not serving Hashem. And this is is what the Hasidus tries to impress on every Jew, the importance of serving Hashem. That Judaism doesn't shy away from conflict. Although we live in a society that is the enemy of conflict, and society preaches... Follow what's natural. Follow your impulses. Follow what's instinctive. Take the path of least resistance. Follow your urges, your instincts. Be natural. Be cool. Judaism says just the opposite. Nature is raw potential God created the world in a raw state God created He gave us wheat but in order to take that wheat and to turn it into edible bread takes effort so to take that potential that God gave us and to make it change it and transform it into something useful into something beneficial that takes effort so God created nature. There's nothing wrong with nature. God created nature. But nature is a, raw, is a raw state of being. It's potential. Raw potential. But it's up to us to take this potential and to turn it into something. We are like diamonds in the rough. The diamond is there, but it's in the rough. To take that diamond, turn it into a polished diamond, takes tremendous, tremendous tremendous effort. So in order for a person to sparkle, a person has to change. You have to change your nature. You have to overcome your nature. You have to guide, you have to control your nature. Control your instincts, your urges, your impulses. And it's only then that a person shines. Nature, instincts, impulses, mediocrity. A person who just follows every urge and every instinct Mediocrity. It's only when does a person truly sparkle? Only when you take that leather, hide, that pure hide of the animal, and you turn it into fine leather. And then you have something that's silky, that, 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 that's precious, special. So when does a person sparkle? When does a person truly come alive? When is a tr- truly sh- serving Hashem and connecting? with your inner self, with your real self, with your genuine self, it's only when you, when you are changing your nature.
0: And this is what al starts out in, right in the beginning of the chapter. This, then, is the important principle regarding the divine service of the Banani. The essential thing is to govern and rule the nature that is in the left part of the heart. This is the central rule. The central rule in life is that a person has
1: to govern and rule and overcome nature. Because it's only then that you truly come alive, only then that you truly sparkle. But how do you overcome nature? It takes, how do you change, how do you overcome nature? It takes tremendous effort. It takes tremendous effort. To take uh, wheat and to turn it into bread takes effort. take the rough, the diamond in the rough, and to make it sparkle takes effort. Where does this effort begin? Now, the al is going to tell us where this effort begins. And this is part of a great rule of the Beinanid. Where does this effort begin? This effort begins with. mind, awareness, meditation without engaging the mind and without truly meditating and reflecting and becoming aware because awareness is also revealing potential, you are not aware you may have had some gut, some instinct but it's only when you become aware and you engage your mind that's the beginning that's how you change That's that's the beginning of the effort so The effort begins
0: with the mind, a, a, um, continue by means: By means of the divine light that illuminates the divine soul abiding in the brain and to rule the desires of the heart. To enable him to master his desires, the Bainini requires, in addition to the natural ability of one's mind to govern his heart, the help of the divine light, which illuminates his mind upon contemplating God's greatness. Once you engage your mind, we had already
1: learned that the mind by nature, mind over matter. Mind controls the heart, your impulses, your instincts. But it's in addition to that you also need the divine illumination, the divine light that enables you to overcome overcome your nature.
0: Continue this mastery of one's nature and desires is achieved when he meditates in his mind on the greatness of the blessed infinite god so as to create through his understanding a spirit of knowledge and fear of god in his mind
1: it's only when the when the mind is fully engaged and you meditate on the greatness of hashem's infinite self which gives birth to a sense of awe of Hashem in your mind. A sense of awareness. A sense of Hashem's presence. So it's only when you engage your mind because nature abhors a vacuum. If your mind is not engaged in godliness, then your mind is engaged in other things. Yiddishkeit has to fully engage you. When it fully engages the person, when it engages your mind through tremendous effort, meditation, contemplation, you take the time and you put the effort in trying to concentrate your mind and trying to understand to the best of your ability and to the best of your comprehension, trying to understand godliness and trying to develop a feeling, a sense, a sense of godliness. It's only then, when you're
0: fully engaged, that that leads to... This knowledge and fear will cause him to turn away from the evil condemned by the Torah or by our sages, even from a minor rabbinic prohibition, heaven forbid. Contemplation on God's greatness will bring about also a love of God, which will reveal itself in the right part of his heart, the seat of the godly soul's emotional faculties with a longing and desire to cleave to him by fulfilling the precepts of the Torah and of the rabbis and the study of Torah, which is equivalent to them all. As the Alter-Rebbe has already pointed out, the commandments cannot be performed fully, that is, with the totality of one's being, unless the performance is motivated by love of God for the fulfillment of the positive commandments and fear of God for avoiding transgression of the negative commandments when one's observance is so motivated, his love and fear of God permeate the performance of the commandments and enhance them with their power. Seemingly, however, this is true only of a love and fear that are openly felt in one's heart. What if, despite one's efforts in meditating on God's greatness, he cannot excite himself to an arousal of love or fear of God? In answer, The Alter Rebbe now goes on to say that even if the love and fear born of one's meditation remain hidden in one's mind and heart, in a state which the Alter Rebbe refers to as Tevuna, an intellectual love, they still permeate his performance of the commandments, as though these emotions were open and aroused. He he
1: says that as a result of the meditation and the contemplation, he gives birth to a sense of awe of Hashem in your mind, because your mind is more reserved, is more inner. And the sense of awe is also a more inward emotion. It's a sense of withdrawal, of inner withdrawal. When you sense Hashem's Hashem's presence, you develop a sense of awe and it humbles you. So it's a more inner response, inward response. Versus developing a sense of love for Hashem, love is more sensed in the heart, a feeling in the heart a sense of, it's more of an expansive feeling. When you love Hashem, that motivates you with a tremendous desire and yearning and longing for Hashem, to cleave to Hashem through studying Torah and doing mitzvot, whether it's biblical mitzvot, or rabbinic mitzvot, and your mind also becomes fully engaged in the pursuit of studying Torah, using every waking moment and, and using every ability to study Torah. So this is the Benini. The Benini is a Jew who's fully engaged. A Jew who is control is in control, he governs his nature, is in control of his nature, overcomes his nature, rises above his nature, doesn't just follow urges, instincts, impulses. But this is a Jew who is ab- who's able to sparkle, and is able to shine and sparkle because of tremendous effort, which begins with the mind, awareness, which leads to the heart, which enables him to develop a sense of awe oh, Hashem, and a feeling, a longing, a yearning, a feeling, a passion, a passion towards godliness, which motivates him to fully engage in godliness, in, in thought, speech, and action. So this is a Jew who's fully engaged. This is a benini. That godliness permeates his being. The best that a benini could achieve. But he's fully engaged. And only when a Jew is fully engaged will he be able to sustain a Jewish lifestyle? Because unless you're fully engaged, if your mind is elsewhere and your heart is elsewhere, and you're just forcing yourself, if you're just forcing yourself to do the mitzvah without engaging your mind and your heart, as he explained earlier in chapter 4, you can't sustain this lifestyle. If your heart is not into it, your mind is not into it, your heart and mind will be into other things. And ultimately a person doesn't do what you don't enjoy. If your heart and mind are totally into other things, and you're really out of it, so to speak, you're really out of it, you're not into godliness, and you're not excited about godliness, and, and just to force yourself to do godly things when you would rather do other things, it's not sustainable. In order to sustain this, you must engage your mind and heart. So when your mind isn't fully engaged, and you understand And you contemplate Chabad, Chachma Bin Adaz, your mind, you understand godliness, the greatness of Hashem. And you meditate on it. And you concentrate your mind. And you you develop an excitement. You develop a a feeling, a sense, an awareness of Hashem's presence. You feel Hashem's presence. The sense of awe of Hashem. And you develop a love, a yearning, a passion, a love to Hashem, which motivates you to fully engage in a Jewish lifestyle, to do godly, to act godly, to think godly and to live a life which is consistent with your inner core and essence, then you are fully engaged. Then you are truly realizing your potential. Then you are truly changing and, and transforming yourself. And rising above your nature, then you are truly, um, through tremendous effort, through ongoing effort, and an effort that begins with the mind, and then develops into, with the heart and then continues through behavior. Overcoming your nature, doing the right thing, even if it goes contrary to your nature. Um, avoiding doing the wrong thing, even if it goes contrary to your nature. And, and being proactive and do, doing, doing the, you know, living a Jewish lifestyle. Taking the bull by the horn and living a Jewish lifestyle. Choosing to live a Jewish lifestyle. As a result of your decision, because your mind understands. You understand, you relate to godliness. You connect with it. It's not being superimposed upon you from the outside. It's your mind. You are engaging your mind. And you understand it, you get it. You're able to crystal, it becomes crystallized for yourself. You have the clarity, and you have the motivation that leads to the heart, an inner urge, an inner yearning, a a feeling for godliness, a passion, a fire for godliness. His soul is on fire, which leads to action, to change in behavior, and leads to action, to a Jewish lifestyle, a godly lifestyle, a wholesome lifestyle, a meaningful lifestyle. So then you are fully engaged. And then you become an actualized an actualized human being. You become an actualized Jew. So this is the central rule of the Benin. The central rule of the Benin that the Benin has to govern his nature. Be able to rise above his nature. Be able to transform his nature. And the way to do it is through tremendous effort. Ongoing effort. And only through this tremendous effort are you able to change. And you're able to actualize your potential. And then you have a, a lifestyle. A lifestyle that resonates within you. And you also have an inner life. It's not enough just to have just behavioral. But you also have to have an inner life. The only way to achieve this, the only way to rise above your nature is, you have to have an inner life. If you have no inner life, it's, it's almost impossible to rise above your nature. If your mind is not engaged, and your heart is untouched, you can't sustain it. As al explained earlier in chapter 4, you can't sustain it. The root, the source of the behavior of doing the mitzvah is a love for Hashem, and a sense of awe of Hashem. If you don't develop a sensitivity, if you don't develop a feeling, a sense of love and awe, then it's just not, it's not sustainable. So you have to have an inner life. And it's only when you have an inner life, Chabad, when you engage your mind. And everyone has a mind. This is not the realm of the Tzaddik. This is not the realm of the genius of the Tzaddik, the one in, one in a million, one or two in every generation. Every one of us was blessed with a mind. And we have the ability to engage our mind. No one or nothing is stopping us from engaging our mind. When you engage your mind fully, And you contemplate to the best of your ability. And until you reach a point that you get excited about it. You develop a feeling, a sense of Hashem. And you develop a passion, a love, a yearning. Your heart aches for Hashem. And which leads you and motivates you to do godly things. To connect with Hashem. Through studying Torah, engaging your mind and doing mitzvah. Then Then you are fully engaged. So when you have that inner life, then you're able to rise above your nature. And when you rise above your nature, it's only then that you truly come alive. It's only then that you truly sparkle. You polish your diamond. You transform that leather, that raw hide into silky leather. It's useful, beneficial. You take the raw material that Hashem gives us, nature. You take that wheat and you turn it into delicious bread through tremendous effort. And the greater the potential, the greater the more the effort. So nature is something is there to be worked with. Nature is something we have to work with. But if a person just coasts along and just follows instincts and just follows his moods, his urges, his instincts and does whatever you feel like, that's that person is not truly alive. That person is very superficial and will never reach beyond mediocrity. So it's, the the nature itself almost begs, cries out to be realized. In order for nature to be realized, Hashem created nature in its raw state. But He needs us. We are partners with Hashem. He needs our effort our sincere effort to be able to realize that potential. So it's really, it's really up to us. And it's only then that we truly come alive as human beings created in the image of Hashem, as Jews. That's when we touch the divine spark inside of us. That's when we come alive. That's when we become the Benin. That's when we become who we could become. That's when we realize our potential. So this is a, an essential rule, principle, that a person should remember for his entire life that the main, the essential thing is to govern and rule nature. And it's only when you are governing nature and you are ruling nature through a tremendous effort through developing an inner life through developing your mind First and foremost, awareness, meditation, his bonanus contemplation, which evokes an inner feeling, a passionate feeling for Hashem, which will lead you to a Jewish lifestyle in a consistent, sustainable way on a daily basis. This becomes your life, becomes a lifestyle, becomes a way of life. Judaism becomes a way of life. It's not just something you do occasionally. When you're inspired. When the Spirit moves you. (laughs) But this becomes a sustained lifestyle on a daily basis. It engages the entire person. All your thought. All your speech. All your action. Your mind through studying Torah. And this comes about through developing an inner life through constant reflection and meditation and concentrating your mind on the greatness of Hashem and evoking a response, an inner response, an emotional response, an inner sense of Hashem to the best of of our ability. So this is the bain. This is the ideal. This is what we have to strive for. And this is not going... Contrary to our nature. This is, all, this is the only way we become fulfilled. But it
0: feels contrary
1: to your nature. Yes. Because you're constantly in a state of change. So it doesn't feel quite normal. It feels contrary to the nature because we are instinctive by nature, we are impulsive by nature, and uh, we do like to take the path of least resistance, and we would like to do, take the easy way out. <laughs> And just vegetate and become the couch potato and just follow inspiration, impulse, instincts. But like anything else, it's just superficial. It's not our own good. If we, if we were able to truly listen to ourselves, if we're tr- truly able to listen to ourselves and listen to our inner voice, our real voice, we would discover that we're not fulfilled. A person is not fulfilled. Unless there's effort. If there's no effort, there's no fulfillment. And that's that's the honest truth, and everyone knows it from his own experience. Anything that comes effortlessly, and you just glide along and coast along and glide on inspiration, it's not fulfilling. Only something that comes through genuine effort. It's difficult. You have to overcome. You have to push yourself. You have to rise above your nature. You have to exert yourself. Honest effort, honest effort, that is the most rewarding. That is the most fulfilling. So the only way to really touch your real potential, to really, to really become actualized and actualize human beings, only through exertion, through effort, through change. And that's the way God created the entire world. Everything in nature is just, is just raw nature. Shem created the world in a raw state. And he left it up to us, the human being, to develop it. How do you take raw nature and make a make a beautiful home? It's through tremendous effort. The potential is all there, but Hashem left it to us to develop. And it's only then that you actually you actually you know you have a sense of fulfillment, of satisfaction. It's nourishing, it's nurturing, and it's satisfying. So that's true of anything in life. Hashem gave a person a potential, a talent, and ability. But we all know, potential, talent, ability. Genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Every classical work that we know of, that we appreciate, that we love and enjoy, whether it's in music or art, any field, it comes as a result of a monumental effort, tremendous effort person has been writing for 40 years and then he wrote his bestseller. A person has been playing music for 50 years or, and then suddenly... It comes through tremendous discipline, through tremendous effort. Nothing meaningful or, or valuable or, or good. Anything that has depth and substance, anything that's going to last beyond uh, today, nothing comes without tremendous effort. So the truth is, we are not fulfilled unless we exert ourselves, unless we rise above our nature. So nature is nature is is just a is just is just a raw seed, raw potential. And if we listen to our inner voice, nature itself is pleading, begging with us to please develop me. Don't don't just take things at face value. Don't just live your life on a you know, it's natural. I mean, that's that's living on the level of the animal. That's like the animal. The animal follows his instincts. For an animal, that's fine. But when a human being follows his instincts and his impulses and his urges, his instincts, that cannot be fulfilling. It's impossible. That will never fulfill you. That will never satisfy you. Only superficially. But it it can't truly satisfy you. So yes, it's difficult. Yes, you have to overcome. Yes, you have to exert yourself. But it's tremendously rewarding. It's, it's commensurate to the effort. The greater the effort, the greater the, the, the greater the reward, the inner sense of satisfaction. So this is a general principle that we have to remember for our entire lives. That the main principle this is, and this is something that's possible for every one of us. Every one of us has the potential to be the benin. Hashem is not demanding from us anything that's impossible. Hashem is demanding this of every single truth. Hashem gave us a Torah and He gave us a mitzvot and He gave us a code of Jewish law and He expects and demands each and every Jew to live up to each and every paragraph in the code of Jewish law. This is not a program for angels. This is a program for human beings. Because Hashem says that we have the ability, through tremendous effort, to rise above our nature. And it's only then that our nature becomes fulfilled. Ironically, that feels the most natural. (laughs) Who is the most natural? It's not the person who lives naturally. The person who lives naturally lives so unnaturally and is miserable and is not a happy human being. He's a very, a very unhappy human being. The proof is in the pudding. We live in the most affluent generation in history. Shleim could only dream of the luxuries that the simple person has available today, And yet we're the most miserable generation in human history. Definitely the most neurotic. So, living naturally doesn't lead to happiness, to love, to inner satisfaction, contentment. It's only, paradoxically, ironically, it's when you you act what seems to be unnatural, when you rise above your nature, and you exert yourself, and you polish that diamond, and you work with that leather hide. It's then and only then truly become natural. So the Torah is not asking us to do something unnatural. On the contrary, the Torah is trying to get us in touch with our true nature. And the only way for us to get in touch with our true nature is by rising above. Nature. Yes, it's in paradox. But the way to do it is through tremendous effort. And that effort begins by developing an inner life. You must develop an inner life by using your mind, engaging your mind, and focusing your mind, concentrating your mind, and developing a feeling, a sensitivity towards Godliness, which motivates you to study Torah, to become fully engaged as a Jew, to live like a Jew, think like a Jew, think wholesome thoughts, speak only wholesome words, act only in a wholesome way, as spelled out through the Torah, code of Jewish law, both biblical and rabbinic mitzvot, both positive and prohibitions, it's only then that the Jew comes fully engaged. When the Jew becomes fully engaged, his entire being is fully engaged, his mind, his heart, his, his action, it's only then that the Jew truly comes alive, that he truly sparkles, and you feel wholesome, and you feel natural, and you feel like a million dollars. Versus if you just follow your nature and instincts, you feel hollow, shallow, empty, and it's a life full of regrets. Versus if you live a life of Torah and Mitzvot, a life that you have nothing to feel guilty about, you feel like a million dollars. You feel wholesome, you feel fulfilled, you feel meaningful, you feel your you life has a purpose. You're coming from somewhere. You're going somewhere. Your life has a theme, a unifying theme that connects your life. You know, in a novel, you may have hundreds of characters and thousands of details, but there's one common theme that brings it all together. So, to our lives is so scattered, so fragmented. In the course of a day, we do so many activities, but but there's no theme that connects it all together. A Jew has a theme. As has a consistent theme from the moment you wake up in the morning till the moment you go to sleep, from drinking your oranges, from praying, from doing so on a favor, from going about your business, pursuing your career, whatever you're doing, there's one consistent theme. And that is Godliness. When you contemplate and meditate and focus and concentrate your mind on the reality of Hashem, Hashem's infinite greatness, and you start relating to it, and it becomes crystallized in your mind, and you develop that clarity. And then you develop a yearning and a passion and a sense of the awe of Hashem's presence. This is what motivates your life. This is what motivates, motivates everything in your life. So your life, you, it feels tremendously rewarding because you, your life, there's a purpose, there's a theme, there's a goal to your life. And everything that you're doing is, is, a, is a reflection of that inner theme, of that inner life, of that inner goal. So you have a purpose. You 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 have an active, vibrant program, how to live your life and how to express your life and how to be in touch with 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 this reality and your reality, your inner reality. So paradoxically, the dveinani. This is the most natural way to live. It's when you live, follow nature when superficially you're free to follow every urge and every instinct and every impulse and there are no restrictions and you can live as you please and do as you please that's a totally unnatural and it just leads to heartbreak and it's a dead end it's a road to nowhere so this is a general principle that a benli always has to remember Counterintuitive, But this is, like all truths, <clears throat> counterintuitive. But this is, a, this is the essential thing, to govern and to rule nature. And this is possible for every single Jew. Every one of us has the ability to govern over our nature, to rule over our nature. We have the ability to develop an inner life by concentrating, focusing our minds and by developing a sensitivity, a feeling, a passion, a sense of awareness of Hashem, and which will motivate us to fully engage, behaviorally, thought, speech, and action, consistently, consistently, on a daily basis, to live a Jewish life, to express our relationship with Hashem, to express our connection with Hashem, and to connect with Hashem 24-7. Entirely, fully, totally thought, speech, action and engaging our mind through studying of Torah. This is a fully live human being. Fully engaged human being. A human being who's sparkling. A human being who's fulfilling his potential. Who's realizing his potential. Who's tapping into his potential. Tapping into that inner spark of godliness with him. Who's truly connecting. Sparks are flying because it's real. His life is real and consistent and has a theme, a unifying theme that connects his entire life. This is the Bain. Now the Altar is going to address a problem that many of us may encounter. And that is, even a Jew who's trying to develop an inner life, and focuses his mind, and concentrates his mind, and meditates and reflects on the infinite greatness of Hashem. But can't seem to develop a yearning, a passion, a fire. Can't light the fire in his heart. Just can't get excited, emotionally. Just can't get excited about godliness. He may understand it, not because of any lack of his, of, of his intellect, he understands it. He can articulate it. He can explain it to himself and to others. But he, he just can't light the fire inside of him. He just can't get excited about it. He can't relate to it in a real, tangible way. If you talk business, he talk other things, he can get excited about it. But here he can't get excited about it. And the truth is, how I be able to explain. That this is a person, it's not only when it comes to godly things. The reason he doesn't get excited about it is not because of any lack of his, his understanding. He can get excited about it because the truth is that he can have a person, who even when it comes to business, he doesn't get excited about, about that either. There are people who just don't have the potential. They don't have passionate loves and, and, and they just don't feel very deeply. They just don't have the capacity for intense love, for earth-shattering love and or They just simply, in any area in their life, they were just not born with that capacity. God created them now. They're just limited. They can, intellectually, they can try to emulate that type of love. They can become aware of it. And try to live up to that. Like someone can know intellectually that I should be excited about business. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. You can make money. You can do wonderful things with it. And he he makes a decision in his mind, I'm going to get excited about business. But it's almost artificial. It's almost like an act. It's not genuine. It's not like a business person who... With every fiber of his being and every bone in his body, he lives it, he dreams it, he breathes it, he feels it, he has a sense for it. This person doesn't have a sense for it. But he just knows intellectually. He went to school, he went to business school, and he knows that doing business is a wonderful thing, and therefore, that should be your goal in life. You should get an MBA and you should do business and make money. And, but he can't really get excited about it. He just, that means he can't get excited about anything, really. He just doesn't have the capacity, the soul capacity to get excited about things. And his relationships and his marriage is the same thing. It doesn't, there's no intense love, there's no intense, deep feelings. Not because he doesn't love his spouse, because he just, it's, he just doesn't intensely love anything. <laughs> he just doesn't have that capacity, the capability of very deep, intense, powerful feelings. So this Jew is very limited. So how can he develop an inner feeling for Hashem? He simply can't. He can't develop a powerful, intense, passionate, yearning, and aching his where his heart aches, physically aches for Hashem. Just like sometimes your heart physically aches for something physical. When you love someone, you, your heart aches. So he aches for Hashem. But he doesn't ache for Hashem, he doesn't ache for anyone else either. He doesn't have that capacity to so What does this Jew do?
0: It okay, is Furthermore, one must know an additional important principle in the Bainanist service of God. Even if one's intellect and understanding are incapable of producing a revealed love of God in his heart, to make it burn as it ought with fiery flames, the desire and a longing and a passion manifestly fell in the heart to cleave to God, instead, the love is hidden in his mind and in the recesses of his heart, the altar inserts a note stating that one's inability to reveal the love in his heart does not indicate a fault in his meditation. The cause may well be inherent in the spiritual root of his soul. So he may have a perfect
1: intellect. He could be brilliant, a brilliant mind. And he understands it very clearly. He understands godliness. He understands, he can explain it, he can articulate it. But it doesn't spark anything inside him. It. it doesn't evoke any response. It doesn't resonate with him. It's, it's like fire. Like it says in the code of Jewish law, when a Jew wakes up in the morning, you should picture that Hashem is standing over your bed. Imagine the king of kings. Imagine if the president was standing you jump out of bed, you know, out, out of respect for the orphans. A king was standing over your bed. You would jump, if Einstein was standing over your bed, right? if the Rebbe was standing over your bed, you, you would jump, you'd jump out of your bed. Imagine Hashem, the king of kings, is standing over you and waving for you. You should jump out of bed. When was the last time that happened? <laughs> and this isn't the code of Jewish law. This is not the code written for tzaddikim. This is a code written for us. Whom are we kidding? You're lying in bed. Hashem is standing over me. Let me jump out of bed. The best that we can do is, our mind tells us, we ought to feel it. We can't feel it. If we were to feel the presence of Hashem, Hashem is so real, standing in front of us, we would would jump out of our skin, we would jump out of our bed and... But we can't. We, we don't it's not a reality to us. Hashem is so real that Hashem is standing and looking into my heart and looking into my heart and am I genuine, am I serving him, is for real? I mean it's not real for us. Hashem is too abstract. You can't relate to it and connect to it as a as a real living, breathing reality. We don't have the capacity to. Otherwise we will be tzaddikim the best that we can do is our mind tells us we study this code of Jewish law the Torah, the code is speaking to us but our mind, our mind tells us that we ought to feel it we should be feeling it and if we don't feel it it should bother us why don't we feel it but we ought to feel it so therefore you can make a decision in your heart in your mind listen, I don't feel this but the Torah says I should feel it and the reality, the truth is whether I feel it or not this is the reality Hashem is standing over me whether I feel I relate to it I connect to it or not it's the truth and therefore, I should respond as if I feel Hashem is standing over me, and I should try to wake up with alacrity and jump out of bed and serve Hashem and be ready to serve Hashem. Like a soldier jumping out of bed and ready, ready to serve. So, even if you can't feel it experientially, but intellectually, you can know it, and your intellect could lead you to a certain conclusion. A certain movement, intellectually. Intellectually, I should feel this. I ought to feel this. I should act as if I feel it. And then many people lead their lives that way. Many so-called intellectuals take on causes, compassionate human causes. Why? Not because they really feel anything. Because they truly have any empathy. They don't have any, any empathy. But they know that an intellectual ought to empathize with other people therefore since I'm an intellectual so I, let me act as if I feel let me, so it's not an emotion because the emotion doesn't feel anything not genuinely not genuine empathy you can have people go through their entire lives and not once in their life feel a genuine empathy a genuine love or feel anything deeply or genuine very superficial but their mind can tell them this is the way I ought to feel this is the way I should feel I should behave this way. This is the way an intellectual should feel, and therefore let me behave in such a way. So this is a Jew who does not have the capacity to have a fiery
0: love for Hashem in his heart. And the reason for this is, the note. The reason for this inhibition is that this person's intellect and nefesh, ruach and neshama, derive from the so-called ibur, conception and concealment within the supernal understanding and not from the quality of leda, birth, and revelation, as is known to those familiar with the Kabbalah. I already learned earlier in chapter 3 that the the intellect
1: is called the mother. Bina, understanding is the mother that gives birth to the offspring, which are the emotions, because it's only when you understand something that that gives birth to emotion. When you understand that something is good for you, first you understand that it's good. That's the, that's the intellect, the abstract, the concept. It's good. Doing business is good. That leads to a certain movement in your mind. Well, doing business is good. Maybe doing business is good for me. And it's something I ought to pursue. It's something I ought to... And then that lead that gives birth to a full-fledged emotion. That your heart is on fire. And you feel a feeling that I, I would love... To do something that's good for me, and I would love to do business because it's good for me, and it's enjoyable, and it's pleasurable, and it'll, it'll, it'll lead to good things. So the emotions begin, originate in the mind. In the mind, the, just like the child. The child is first found in the mother's womb. It's separate from the mother. It's a child. There's the mother and there's the child. But the child is, is within the mother. And then the mother gives birth to the child, and the child is alone, independent. A separate entity. So too, pure intellect is abstract. Pure intellect transcends emotions. Pure intellect is, you're fully engaged in understanding the concept. You're not making any judgments. Is it good? Is it not good? Is it guilty? Not guilty? Kosher, not kosher. Just understanding the raw concept. The pure abstract intellect, understanding, comprehension. So that totally transcends emotions. There's no judgments, there's no right, there's no left, there's no liberals, no conservatives. You're just understanding the raw concept, the idea. Then you have the beginning of the emotions. But first the emotions develop in a, in, a, in a state of pregnancy. They're still within the intellect. They're still wrapped up in the intellect, swallowed up in the intellect. It's not a full-blown emotion. Separate, apart from the intellect, it's the emotion where the emotion is still wrapped up in the intellect. It's an inner movement in your mind where your mind reaches a judgment. You know, this is good. This is no good. I should pursue this. I should stay away from this. A bias, a, a judgment, a, a decision, a movement, an inclination. You know, I'm inclined to, to find this person guilty. I'm inclined to say that this is right, or this is wrong. So it's an emotional, it's a decision, it's a judgment. So it's an emotion, but it's an emotion as it's still part of the world of intellect. It's not a full-blown emotion as felt emotionally in your heart. And then that leads to a full-blown emotion. When the intellect gives birth uh, to the emotion in the heart, then you feel your heart, you feel excitement, you feel a a closeness, an attraction, or you feel a repulsion, a sense of distancing, a sense of, uh, of, of hate or love. So that's a full-blown emotion. So there are certain souls, and whatever is in this world is just a reflection of, of the divine. So too you have, so to speak, God's divine intellect, and you have, so to speak, God's divine emotion. And you have the emotion where the emotion is included in the intellect, and then you have where the emotion is a full-blown emotion. So you have certain souls that are rooted within the divine Source of the emotions, the way they're in a, in a pregnant state within the divine intellect. And then you have souls that are rooted in divine emotion, which is a fully developed state, a state of birth. In other words, you have people whose souls are underdeveloped. They don't have, they're not fully developed souls, and they don't have the capacity to become fully developed. They're always in a state of potential, of pregnancy, they have a certain sense an idea but it never becomes crystallized for them they can never fully develop it they can never truly give birth to it or it becomes a full-fledged developed idea they only have i you know they can only intimate certain certain ideas but they can't really fully develop it so they have an idea an inclination a concept but it they don't bring it down to its logical conclusion where they don't fully develop this idea and it doesn't change them. It doesn't transform them. That's how we find people. Certain people have very difficult, great difficulty making decisions. Because all their ideas always remain abstract. It's like in a state of pregnancy. They can't develop, fully develop and make a decisive decision. The person asks the therapist, do you have a problem with making decisions? He says, well, yes and no? (laughs) so there are people that live their life that way they can't bring anything to fruition they can't bring anything to a conclusion They can't. everything is in a nebulous state everything is in a vague vague state where everything is full of potential and everything is full of possibilities and then you have a soul that has the ability to bring everything into to a result take, take an idea and, and develop it And bring it to the bottom line and and, uh, develop it into a result. They are decisive. Because they can really get to the bottom. They can give birth. They can create change. And they can develop a fiery, passionate feeling, a love, a deep-felt love. Versus those intellectuals who are much more abstract can't really connect with their heart in a meaningful way. Everything remains in a vague, fuzzy, uh, nebulous state, and everything remains in a state of pregnancy, ripe with potential. But it never gives birth, it never fully develops. It's like an immature, unripened soul, so to speak. They just can't bring it to fruition. There are many people who are very good at starting things, brilliant, creative people. They can't bring anything to fruition. They can't bring anything to a conclusion. Everything remains in a, in a vague, general state. So it's not, it's not due to any fault of their own. It's the root of their soul. They are rooted in the divine aspect of the emotions the way they are in a pregnant state, in an undeveloped state. Just like the child. When the child's in the mother's womb, the child is in an undeveloped state. And that's the root of their soul. Therefore, they don't have the capacity, they can be brilliant, but they don't have the capacity to crystallize a picture, an image that will move them about godliness. They can't imagine or relate to Hashem in any concrete way. It's all abstract. It's all intellectually abstract. They can know it, they can understand it, they can articulate it, but they can't create a vivid image of godliness, an image that would inspire them, that would move them, that would change them, that would transform them, that would excite them. It's all, yes, they understand and, and they remain pretty much unmoved. Uninspired, unmoved, unchanged. And they can't get excited. They don't have the capacity to get excited. So it's due to no fault of their own. Dr. al says, don't feel bad. It's not because of anything lacking in your intellect. It's your soul simply doesn't have the capacity. Hashem did not give your soul that capacity. You are rooted in the level of of the level of pregnancy." Where the emotions are in a state of, of pregnancy and not un, are underdeveloped, and not ripe, and not mature. And therefore, you don't have the capacity to develop that vision, to crystallize, and to have that clarity and that, and that image, that vivid image that will move you and change you and inspire you.
0: Briefly, this means, in human emotions born of the intellect, for example, a love of God is born through meditation on God's greatness, there are two states. One, where the emotion has already been born and revealed, and two, an earlier stage where the emotion is still part of the intellect. In this latter state, the emotion consists merely of an intellectual inclination toward the object of one's understanding. These two stages are similarly found in the divine attributes to which the human emotions are analogous. The divine attributes, the middle of kindness, chesed, severity... Gavura, etc., prior to their existence in a revealed state, are concealed within and encompassed by the supernal intellect, Bina, which is their source. The soul, in turn, stems from the divine attributes and hence reflects their characteristics. Thus, those souls which derive from the attributes as they are in their revealed state possess the quality of revelation, that is, they are capable of bringing their love of God into a revealed state, whereas the souls deriving from the concealed state of the attributes lack this capacity, and their emotions remain concealed within their intellect. The Altar River now goes on to describe a love of God as it is concealed within one's intellect. This means that the heart comprehends, with the spirit of wisdom and understanding in the brain, that is, instead of being excited with the love of God, as it ought to be, the heart merely experiences an understanding of the greatness of the blessed infinite God before whom all else is as naught. for which reason it is fitting and due unto him, blessed be he, that the soul of every living thing should pine for him, to cleave to Him, become absorbed in his divine light. So the mind fully understands the reality of
1: Hashem, that there is no other reality the greatness of Hashem, Hashem's infinite self and there is no other reality but Hashem nothing else really exists and if the mind truly understands it that leads to the logical conclusion that really everyone and everything should yearn to become nullified within God to become connected with God because that's our root, that's our source there is nothing else so if you want to be real if you want to connect with the reality if you want to be real the only way to be real the only reality is really the reality of Hashem So if a person is looking for reality, the only way to truly be is to truly connect with Hashem. And that's what we ought to be yearning for. That's what we ought to desire and yearn with every fiber of our being and every bone in our body, because really there is nothing else.
0: Everything else is just an illusion. It's not real. And then he continues. It is likewise fitting for his own soul, the nefesh and rach within him, to languish for him with a fervent desire to leave their sheath, that is, the body, which surrounds and conceals the soul like a sheath in order to cleave to him. There are many people who unify Hashem
1: and say Hashem is one. But they miss out one. They say Hashem is everywhere, there's no space empty of Hashem, Hashem is one, but they miss out one, one important detail. When Hashem is one, it also means, in reference to myself, that there is no other reality, <laughs> there is no ego, there is no I. It's talking about me. So the way to unify Hashem is by rising above your ego. It's not just Hashem is one, out there, in the universe. If you want to unify Hashem, the way to unify Hashem is by nullifying your own ego. Because if there's still a sense of I, the sense sense of ego, that's a denial of, of the unity of Hashem. It's in contradiction to the unity of Hashem. If Hashem is one, how could there be an I? And therefore, you should yearn to nullify your I. You want to nullify your ego. You want to express the reality of Hashem through your being, through your reality. That your reality should cry out, there is no ego, there is no I. My entire being is nothing other than Hashem. So the way to unify Hashem is only when when it engages yourself personally. If you leave yourself out of the picture, Hashem is one. Except when it comes to me. And that's the only, only part of the universe we are in control of. <laughs> that Hashem is one in the rest of the universe. That Yes, Hashem is one. But the one area where Hashem is not one and it's up to us is the eye. <laughs> if we leave out the eye and we forget about the eye and the eye remains rigid, I'm not changing, I'm not budging, I'm not moving, I'm not... Hashem is one. The whole world. Except me. <laughs> then, then it's a joke. That's not real. The only, the only one in the world that we could... Nullified. The only one in the world that we can truly express Hashem's unity is the only I, because we're not in control of anything else in the universe. Everyone lives their own life. The only one we are in charge of is I. It's only when I take my I and I nullify my I before Hashem. And when the I, the I ought to yearn and desire to nullify the sense of ego, the sense of body, the sense of I, and to become truly nullified within Hashem.
0: Continue. So intensely, his thoughts continue, shall his nephesh and rach long for God that only against their will do they dwell in the body. They are bound to it like deserted wives, literally, living widows, who are bound to their husbands and are forbidden to remarry as long as the husbands who left them are alive.
1: Hashem is the husband. The Jewish people are his wife. It's a marriage, it's a relationship. We yearn for Hashem. The wife yearns for her husband. But her husband has left, has left town, has gone out of town, and and she can't be with her husband. They're separated by oceans. And she pines and she yearns to be with her husband, but she's forcibly separated from her husband. That's the way every Jewish soul, our soul, our self, should really yearn for Hashem. But we have the body, the body that separates us from Hashem. We have our egos, our sense of I, healthy sense of I, that separates us from Hashem. Instead of the soul, the soul yearning and expiring in ecstasy and trying to become one with Hashem, our bodies forcibly separate us from Hashem that we don't feel. We don't feel God All we sense is, is I.
0: In their present state, their thought cannot grasp God at all, except when it grasps and vests itself in the Torah and its commandments. By studying Torah and observing its commandments, one grasps God's will and his wisdom, which are one with God himself.
1: In the present state, as long as we're human and we're alive, we cannot see the face of Hashem. We can't see the face of God. We can't truly grasp God. It's impossible for us to grasp God. But there is a way for us to unite with our beloved. There is one way for us to unite, to embrace our beloved, for the wife to embrace her husband. And the only way is through Torah and Mitzvah. Not through meditation, not through higher levels of consciousness, not through religion, not through philosophy, not through spirituality. The only way to fully embrace Hashem and to totally embrace Hashem and to be intimate with Hashem, with our beloved, is through Torah and Mitzvah. When your mind grasps the Torah and you wrap yourself around the Mitzvah, continue as illustrated.
0: As illustrated previously by the example, of one who embraces the king. Although the king is dressed in his robes, this does not detract from the royal embrace. Similarly, although the Torah and its commandments are clothed in material matters, yet, since they express God's will and wisdom, when one grasps them, it is as though he grasped God himself. So when you grasp the king, even though you're not grasping
1: his flesh, you're grasping him through his layers of clothes, of royal clothes, but it doesn't matter. You're grasping the king. What difference does it make? So too, when you study Torah and do mitzvot, even though you don't feel the divine, you don't necessarily feel the divine. When you're lighting the Shabbos candles and you're putting on the tefillin and you're giving tzedakah and you're keeping the mitzvot, the 613 mitzvot or rabbinic mitzvot or you're studying Torah, you don't necessarily feel that you're touching the divine, that you're being intimate with the divine, that you're wrapping yourself around the divine. The divine is wrapping itself around you or they becoming unified with the Divine. But it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the reality. The reality is that you are touching the Divine, and you are being touched by the Divine,
0: and you're being intimate with the Divine. All the above thoughts pass through his mind and heart and lead him to resolve that. It is therefore fitting and proper for them, for his nefesh and ruach, to embrace God with all their heart, soul, and might. This means in a practical sense to fulfill the 613 commandments in act, speech, and thought The thought being the comprehension and knowledge of the Torah, as explained above in the previous chapters, that through Torah and the commandments one grasps God himself, so to speak. Thus we see that what motivates this person's actual observance of the commandments is meditation on God's greatness. This brings about the realization that one ought to strive to bind himself to God, a bond which can be achieved only through the commandments. So this is an intellectual exercise, the intellect, when a Jew truly grasps and understands the greatness of Hashem,
1: and you realize that there is no other reality but Hashem. And what do we want in life? We want to be real, and we want to connect to reality. And the only way, and ideally, we should really yearn and cleave to become nullified and one with Hashem. But it's impossible, because... Our beloved, there's an ocean that separates us from our beloved. There is that healthy sense of ego. There is the body that separates us from our beloved, from Hashem. But there is a way for us, there is a path for us to connect with Hashem and to touch the Divine and to be touched by the Divine and to be intimate with Hashem. And the only way, the only path is through Torah and Mitzvah. We have 613 opportunities to touch the Divine, to be intimate with the Divine, to be connected with that reality, with the essence of all reality with Hashem, therefore, I ought to desire, I ought to want, I ought to desire to be connected with Hashem at all times. And that my entire life should be dedicated to studying Torah and doing mitzvah, which gives me an opportunity. Every moment of my life gives me an opportunity to connect with Hashem. So even though I can't, I don't feel a fiery love in my heart, and I don't feel that fire, that passion, that deep, intense love, that deep motivation. But nevertheless, I know that I ought to
0: continue consequently. Consequently, when the Bainani ponders his subject in the recesses of his heart's and mind's understanding, and his mouth and heart are in accord, that is, what his heart feels finds full expression in his speech in that he fulfills with his mouth in his speech the resolve of his mind's and heart's understanding, namely to direct his desire towards God's Torah, meditating on it day and night in oral study, and when his hands and other bodily organs too carry out the commandments, as was resolved in his mind's and heart's understanding, then when he implements his resolution, this tavuna, the intellectual emotion, which cannot properly be called love or fear, but tavuna literally, understanding, is clothed in the act, speech, and thoughts of the Torah and its commandments, providing them with intellectual power and vitality and wings that enable them to soar on high. For so it is written in the Zohar, Torah without love and fear of God does not soar aloft. When your mind understands with clarity, your
1: mind understands the way you ought to feel, the way you should feel, and therefore you make a decision. You make a decision that this is how you're going to lead your life. You're going to lead the life accordingly based on this theme. Your entire life is going to be dedicated to becoming intimate with Hashem. And you're going to use every opportunity to be intimate with Hashem consistently on a daily basis throughout, throughout your life every aspect of your life Every aspect of your being. Thought, speech, action, intellect. Engaging your entire being. Connecting with Hashem. And you live your life accordingly. It's not just a decision you make in your head. In your brain. So you make a decision. And you carry out the decision. And your life has a theme. There is a center. There is a point. And the theme of your life is to become one with the infinite. To become one with Hashem. Be intimate with Hashem. And you're going about it. And you have a program, how to accomplish it. And this is what motivates everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you think, 24-7. So although you do not feel anything in your heart, your heart is not on fire. You don't feel any intensity, any passion. Your heart is pretty much uninspired. You're not moved. You're not inspired. You're not excited. You're not jumping out of your skin. Nevertheless, since it's this this thought, this meditation of the mind, and the inclination of the mind, the emotions within the mind, the judgment that you made in your mind as a result of this meditation. Yes, it's not an exciting, it's not a volcanic uh, eruption. It's not a... Um, volatile emotion, a powerful, intense emotion it 's just a judgment you make in your mind, based on this, you reach a conclusion, a decision that I will going to live my life accordingly to. And you go ahead and, and carry out your, your your resolution, your firm resolution. So this intellectual concept becomes the wings for the Torah mitzvot As if you actually fulfill the Torah mitzvot with passion, because the Zohar says that it's not enough just to do the Torah and the mitzvot. Behavior is not enough. A Jew also has to involve your personal subjective self in the mitzvah. You have to do the mitzvah with a sense of love, a sense of awe, and it's only then that the mitzvah source. The mitzvah has to be refined. The person has to be refined. The mitzvah has to make a person more refined. A person has to be spiritual. A person has to become a refined person. A more spiritual person. A more sensitive person. A deeper person. A more genuine person. A more honest person. A kinder person. If mitzvah, if you just do the mitzvah, but the mitzvah leaves you as coarse as you were before, as obnoxious as you were before, as inhumane as you were before, as superficial as you were before, with no inner sense of fine, of refinement, genuine sense of refinement, and you remain as self-absorbed, as self-centered as you were before, In the midst of a the flat. They go nowhere. The Baal Shem Tevots once walked into a synagogue of Mitnagdim, where not Hasidim and he says, I have to walk out. The shul is full of Torah. So they thought he was complimenting them. And he explained. Because the Zohar says, and now the Rebbe says, there's a source for this in the Talmud, that when you do Torah and mitzvot, and the Torah is done with personal sensitivity, with passion, with a feeling for godliness, the Torah refines you, it elevates you, then the mitzvot source. The mitzvot have wings. The love, the passion that you have for Hashem are the wings that the mitzvot soar and are elevated and they elevate you with them. But if you're motivated by ego and you remain the same coarse human being as you were before you studied Torah and the Torah didn't refine you one iota and didn't change you one iota and you didn't take the Torah to heart one iota then you're the same coarse human being you were before. The Torah is flat. The Torah goes nowhere. The Torah has no energy. To fly, you need energy. The fuel, the energy that allows you to soar is something spiritual, inner refinement. So, a drew needs a feeling, a love for Hashem. When you have a love for Hashem, when you have a love for godliness, this is the energy that causes the mitzvah to soar. Yet this Jew, our benini, that we're discussing, and this, many, many of us fit into this category. Because of the way God created us, our souls simply don't have the capacity to have this fiery, intense, passionate love. Not about godliness, not about anything else in life. We simply just don't have the capacity. We're not the fully developed, mature souls, Decisive souls. Just one of these vague, fuzzy, nebulous souls that just... Everything is a little underdeveloped, undercooked. And so we don't have the capacity. We do have the capacity to think and to meditate and to reflect and to focus and to concentrate and to understand. And to understand very well. But there's a huge gap between the the head and the heart. It's a one way highway, one one lane highway. It's called the neck. It's a very narrow highway, and it's always bottleneck. That's where <laughs> it doesn't. Go, it doesn't reach somehow. The brain, the mind, the knowledge doesn't trickle down to the heart. We know, but it doesn't change us. It Doesn't affect us. Emotions is us. You want to know what a person really is? Is at? It's not what he knows. Knowledge is nothing. What's knowledge? The computer also has a lot of knowledge. The disk has more knowledge than you'll ever have. That's not knowledge. Knowledge is heart. Mind is very abstract. You can understand your enemy. You can contemplate your enemy. Something you hate, but you can spend time reflecting it, learn about it, analyze it, understand it. It Doesn't affect you. I hate it. I can't stand it. But I'll study it. I'll understand my enemy. But you can't love something you hate. When you feel something, it's real. It's you. You can't play games with it. If you love it, you love it. If you hate it, you hate it. You can't pretend to love. You can't love something you hate. Or hate something you love. But your mind, your mind you can play. Yeah, I'll understand something I hate. Because mind doesn't affect me. Mind is abstract. Mind is not real. It's not you. It's not the real person. So here you have a person who learns, who's smart, who's intelligent, who understands, but it doesn't reach the heart. It's a bottleneck. It doesn't get through. You're not inspired. You're not moved. You're unchanged. Untouched. So how can this Jew, how can his mitzvah, and due to no fault of his own, it's just the way Hashem created him. So how can this Jew, how can his mitzvah have refinement, have energy, have the energy that it takes to soar? But the Al-Tarebi says, and this is the novelty that he says in this chapter, and we'll we'll continue next week, where he explains that this is another general principle. It's important for the Benini to know that if a Benini is fully engaged to the best of his ability, the way Hashem created him, he has an inner life by developing his mind, and by developing the emotions and in the state of pregnancy within his mind, a certain inclination, a judgment that he makes in his mind, that this is a life, a resolution. this is the lifestyle that I want to live. I want to live a godly lifestyle. I want to connect with Hashem, use every opportunity that Hashem gave me through Torah, mitzvot, on a consistent basis, on a continuous basis, on a daily basis. Engaging my entire being, I'm going to lead my life. And he actually goes ahead and follows this program and leads a godly life and lives like a Jew and thinks like a Jew and speaks like a Jew and acts like a Jew, knowing even though experientially he doesn't feel it, knowing that he's connecting with the divine even though he doesn't feel it. He's not jumping with joy, he doesn't feel it, he can't experience it. And he knows that the code of Jewish law states that when you wake up in the morning, Hashem is standing over your bed and you ought to get excited about it, even though you don't feel it. And you can't relate to it. And you don't connect with it. Sure, Hashem is standing over my bed. I don't feel it. But you, you act in a way as if you did feel it. And you jump out of bed because the code of Jewish law says that a Jew has to jump out of bed. Because the reality is Hashem is standing over your bed whether you feel it or not. And the reality is, when you study Torah, you're intimate with Hashem. And the reality is, when you do a mitzvah, you're connecting with Hashem. Whether you know it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, whether you're conscious of it or not, it doesn't change the reality. So knowing that in your mind, having that awareness, and making a resolution to live, live your life accordingly, then Hashem says that, as we're going to learn um, next week, Hashem... Says that this is, he's going to consider it. These are going to become the wings that will help your Torah mitzvah to soar, as if, as if you had this fiery love and fiery emotion in your heart. How? Why? Learn to be continued.